Thanks for tuning in to this episode, BBB Presents Beat the Buzzer, featuring Betsy Ross, president of Game Day Communications. BBB's Sarah Kemmerer talks with Betsy about owning an evolving communications firm for 20 years and how community sports can create a legacy in your own backyard. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, you know, before we dive in, I have to ask, what is your favorite small business? <laughs> uh, besides my own? Yes. Um, I do have to say that, especially the last 18 months, uh, I, anyone who runs a restaurant, I, I just admire them so much, especially the mom and pop, the family restaurants. I mean, they have done a yeoman's job over the last few months. They've been creative. They've done anything and everything they could to stay mm-hmm. afloat. And the restaurant business is so tough in a normal time. Uh, but what they have gone through and what they are going through right now, still, they're not out of the woods yet. Um, I just admire uh, the, the family restaurants yeah. that are working so hard just to, you know, just to keep going and to to find a way to staff. To yeah, keep, just keep on and going. Just to bring people back, make people feel comfortable and and let people know that it's safe. So, you mm-hmm. know, I all the props in the world to them. They've they've done such a job over the last few months. Yeah, do you have any favorite like takeout restaurants or places that you'd like to go for a happy hour after work? Not necessarily. Uh, you know, that's one good thing about Cincinnati. We are blessed with so many great mm-hmm. places. You know, whether you're you want fine dining or whether you want, you know, a takeout, whether you want to go through the drive-through. I mean, we are just so blessed with having so many options. And even Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, as you know, I mean, there have been a lot of places opening. Oh yeah. Grand openings through this and they see the positive in it and they see kind of down the road what Mm -hmm. this is going to look like. And I think that that is, that is a good sign for all of us that, you know, in the, in the middle of all this, it was hard to see tomorrow. And everything is delicious. What was going to come. And, uh, you know, for uh, people to open a business in the middle of all this, you know, they were able to see past it, they were able to Mm -hmm. see tomorrow. And, and so, you know, we're just so blessed to have so many great places that we can go. Right. It takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of grit. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. So all of the props to the world to all of the, especially downtown too. Right. Um, Well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Betsy. I appreciate it. So you are, you're the president of Game Day Communications, and for those listeners, that is a sports and entertainment firm located here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So could you go ahead and tell me a little bit about Game Day? Well, we were founded 20 years ago. This is our 20th anniversary. And, um, you know, speaking of uh, opening in hard times, we opened uh, during a recession in, in 2002. And so we figured if we could make it through a recession, we could make it through just about anything. Who knew there would be a <laughs> pandemic that would kind of test that theory. But we started out as a fairly traditional, if you will, uh, public relations company. Um, I was at ESPN and uh, my business partner, Jackie Rowe, was at the Art Museum. And we both had uh, designs in the back of our head that we wanted to have a company of our own. And there were a lot of people at the time doing PR. There were a lot of people involved in sports, but nobody at the time was really putting it together. And so we thought that there was a niche that we could put these two passions of ours together and make a business out of it. And we started out with ideas that we would be traditional PR 
on one side and then the other side we would do media training. Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, you know so many people, especially nowadays, but even 20 years ago before social media blew up, um, it was really important to be able to speak in front of a camera and speak in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And you know, so we thought that that would be a big component of what we did. Um, it, it is still a component. Uh, not as large as we thought. And of course, as we went on, uh, we listened to our, our clients to see what they wanted. Uh, you know, one of our clients of Flying Pig Marathon wanted people to um, come to events, not just the running events, yeah. but uh, uh, breakfasts and VIP recognition um, uh, receptions and things mm -hmm. like that. And so they needed help with events. And so we said, sure, we can do events. And then we scrambled around saying, okay, how are we going to do this event? Uh, but we figured <laughs> it out. And uh, same way with social media. Uh, our, our clients really were the ones who said, what's a social media thing and what can we do about it? Yeah. And so we dove into social media and how businesses can use it and not just use it to post stuff, but use it strategically. And we still do a lot of that, mm -hmm. um, you know, helping, helping our, our, our clients figure out how they can use social media strategically. Cause I say social media is kind of like websites where 20 years ago, every business knew that they needed a website, but they didn't know what to put on it. Every business knows that they need to get into social media, but they're not sure what to put on it. And so you know, we started just working with that. So, you know, so much of what we have evolved into has really come just by listening to our clients and listening to their needs and what they want to do and what they want to try. And so mm -hmm. we've, we've added people who could help us with that and just kind of learned along the way, you know, what's going to be the best fit for our clients. Well, it sounds like you all are really good about keeping up with the times and thinking about next step and what's to come for your clients. So you really put them first. I think that's what any business should do is mm -hmm. keeping keeping your clients first, clients top of mind is all of our responsibilities. Um, you know, I don't care if, you know, going back to a restaurant, I don't care if, if you're in the restaurant business or if you're Procter & Gamble or if you're a small shop like us, you know, your clients, your customers, your guests, um, that's who you keep in mind first and figure out how you can serve their needs because they hired you to do just that, or they come into your establishment to do just that, to serve their needs. And so I think that that's all of our responsibilities to figure out, you know, what is going to be the best for them and what they want to do. You know, I can come in with a great PR plan, I think. Yeah. But if it's not what the client wants, well, then we don't do it. Yeah, because we we have to listen to our client, uh, or you know, we 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 take what they want to do with social media. Maybe they're ready to get onto Instagram, but they're not quite ready for TikTok yet. That's fine, and I think that just just all of us uh, in business, that's what we do. We we want to listen to our clients and really serve their needs first. Mm -hmm. And I think it's safe to say there aren't that many public relations firms in the Midwest, especially in the tri-state area. So what makes game day stand out among the rest out there? And that's uh, really interesting because when we first got into 
public relations here in town, there were a lot of companies doing public relations, big companies doing mm-hmm. public relations. And, you know, one by one, they consolidated or shut down or, you know, things happened. Uh, when we got into it, that's why we thought that maybe if we went the, the sports PR route, that that would give us a little bit of a, a, an opening mm-hmm. uh, that other people weren't doing. But there were a lot of PR companies when, when we started out. And I just think that it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't evolve, um, you know, you, you'll be like the dinosaurs. You have to yeah. evolve or you're not going to be here anymore. Exactly. Got to keep up with the times. And, and, and you really do. And, and, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we evolved better than anybody else, but it's just something that I think that you really have to embrace what's new, what's next. Uh, Twitter was just this weird thing that but came nobody on. Nobody knew about. And, yeah. And like 13 years ago, Jackie, my business partner, I know you've had her on the podcast. Yes, I have. Jackie said, let's go on the flying pig route and just tweet about what's going on. And, and we're all looking at her going, why, why does anybody care about what's going on on the course especially like a live see, event too yeah and 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 we couldn't see how this yeah. would work. and um so we put one of our guys in the lead truck and he you know he tweeted about you know what was going on on the course <laughs> but when it really hit me I'll tell you when it really hit me and I think it was maybe the year after um we had a delay on the course and it was us. Uh, it, it could have been a four hour delay. And when you're talking about a, a marathon, uh, it, it won't happen if there's a four hour delay because runners have a routine and they've done all these things time by time by time so that they're ready to go at 630 in the morning. They get up at a certain time, they eat breakfast at a certain time, they wear certain outfits, they get dressed, they come down, everything is timed mm-hmm. so that they go off at 630. We had a fire on the course, and uh, the first thing that uh, the uh, fire and police told us was, well, it'll be four hours before this is cleaned up. And we knew that 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 would mean that we wouldn't run. Yeah. And so um, long story short, uh, they figured out a very short shortcut basically going around the block where this fire was so we were delayed 10 minutes and what we did was we kept everybody apprised of what was going on we kept communicating with people as soon as we knew about this fire we kept communicating channel five has been uh, such a good partner with us Mm -hmm. to broadcast the flying pig we put it out on channel five we made announcements at the start line we kept updating people all along. But what really woke me up was when I I was at the start line and I made an announcement that the start of our race may be delayed a few minutes. We don't know how long. Well, we announced it the same time that we sent it out on text because you can sign up for text messages Mm -hmm. uh, through the app. As soon as I made that announcement and as soon as Channel 5 made the announcement, We sent out that text message and all of a sudden I saw all these people pulling out their phones to look at that text message. And that's when it hit me that text messaging 
Twitter, people run with their phones. And I didn't realize that until I saw all these people pulling out their phones. And I thought, okay, this is, this is the thing this is how people will communicate from now yeah. on. And so that's when it really hit me. And I, and I think that, you know, the, the famous picture of um, the plane landing in the Hudson River. And that was really, you know, one of the first pictures that we saw of the plane in the Hudson River and people standing on the wings was sent out by Twitter. And that's when you knew that Twitter was a thing. That's and that's when I realized, I think that, that, you know, communicating like that by text, by Twitter, by social media, that was gonna be it. And of course, you know, now it's, it's blown up to, you know, uh, I don't think any of us could have imagined, you know, the other day when, when Facebook and Instagram went down, I mean, you know, of course that was the day that I needed to get a video off yeah. a Facebook page and, you know, you start pacing because you can't get on Facebook, but um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just something that I think you have to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't get TikTok. That doesn't mean that, that we okay. don't do it for our clients. I don't understand it, yeah. but I'm not their audience. So, Well, going back to the Twitter thing, it's amazing what we know now about Twitter. You look back and you think, oh, it's a no-brainer. Of course we should have done that. Like, right. thank goodness we did that. Right. Yeah. I, who would have thought? It makes, yeah. It makes so much sense now, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like, why would anybody care about what's going on on the course? You know, exactly, we've got yeah. Channel 5's camera and all that. And, you know, it, we ended up tweeting actually um, – it was kind of the model for what we do now. You know, we ended up tweeting about, oh, there's a big crowd at Hyde Park Square, you know, come down to the party. And and which is exactly what people want to know on yep. Twitter. And, you know, the, the more that you can give them, which is kind of inside information or, or, you know, background information behind the scenes. I mean, that's what people want. They that's why it. people follow you know, different companies or different events or different athletes. They want to find out behind the scenes. They want to get information that they don't think anybody else is going to get. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, just just being able to use it on such a big stage like the Flying Pig Marathon, it kind of set us up for using social media with our other clients because, you know, the the Flying Pig Marathon in, in you know, what we what we would call normal times, uh, in 2019, we had 40,000 people uh, in one event or another participating in the Flying Pig Marathon. And so, you know, you have that kind of an event. You have a lot of people who are very loyal to the Flying Pig and they want inside information. They want to get those text messages. They want to get Twitter updates. And so, you know, it's it kind of laid the ground um, the groundwork for what we do with other clients. Yeah. And, uh, you know, giving people, their loyal followers who have opted in for this information, giving them behind the scenes info that they might be, you know, they might not Mm -hmm. be able to get anywhere else. Well, it's obvious you, you know what you're doing. (laughs) We we hope so. There are days. I'm sure there are, we all have those days, but it's, it's, I mean, it's obvious to me that you love game day. You love your job. You love your clients. Um, and you brought up Jackie Rowe earlier. I know you two founded game day and she was also a guest on the podcast, like you said. Right. Um, but do you, did you both see any challenges um, opening game day back in 2002? I feel like women in sports now is very different than what women in sports was 
back in the early 2000s? I naively, I would say no. Okay. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that there weren't that we didn't know about that we didn't realize. Uh, you know, we were we were both brought up by um, strong parents and mothers who said you can do and be anything that you want. And uh, somehow over the years, I believed that. And yeah. uh, when we started the company, I think that we we looked at it as, you know, just a way to follow our passions. And uh, it never occurred to either of us that we would fail because we were women. Uh, and again, maybe naively so, uh, but it never, it never crossed our minds. Uh, we knew that being uh, business owners, uh, mm -hmm. we would work harder than anybody else, whether you're male or female. Right. If you own your own business, you know, a 40 hour work week doesn't exist anymore. You're working 24 seven. Ah, absolutely. You are. Um, and so, you know, it's not just um, women starting a business. It's really anybody starting a business. You work harder than anybody else in your shop because it's yours. It's your baby. Um, it's what you believe in and it's it's what you will work 80 hours a week to keep mm -hmm. going. So, Minimum. you know. Were, were there were there jobs that we didn't get because we were female? I, I don't know that. Uh, as I say, uh, it was never mentioned to us. Uh, the In all these years, uh, no one had ever said, oh, you know, two women. Uh, it, it, it just, again, maybe perhaps naively, but it never crossed our minds that we wouldn't succeed. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um... I'm sure that game day will be very different in the next five to 10 years and even more different than when you opened in 2000, uh, in 2002. So where do you see game day and where do you see um, your partnership with Jackie going in the next few years? I think that it will be uh, probably less and less um, again, quote, traditional mm -hmm. uh, PR um, already. We are drifting uh, more toward uh, just doing uh I mean, I can't remember the last time that um, we did, again, a traditional PR release without having uh, a, a social component or, you know, things like that. I think it, there will always be a social component, even uh, during the pandemic when so many of our uh, clients couldn't have an in-person luncheon or couldn't have the fundraiser. Mm -hmm. They figured out a way to do it and they did it online. They partnered with a television station to have it broadcast, but they figured out a way um, to, to bring tech into it. And I think that if there is a winner in all of this, it's going to be technology because the technology was there before 2020. We just didn't really want to use it. Uh, but now we have to, and it'll be for the better. It really will be for the better. And so many of our clients, even though they will have a traditional in-person luncheon or a traditional gala or a fundraiser, there's always going to be a streaming component because mm -hmm. they found out and they've recognized that when you have a luncheon for 2000, you reach 2000. But when you stream, when you put it on Facebook Live or when you um, have it streamed on, uh, again, a, a television partner, 
then you reach hundreds of thousands. The potential to reach so many other people just grows exponentially. And not just that, you know, sh- short yeah. noon to 1.30 time slot when your luncheon is, but it lives on and people can see it later on and it's archived. And so you reach such a greater audience by you know using this technological widget that was always there, but nobody wanted to use it. So, you know, almost everything we do is going to have a tech component, whether mm-hmm. it's a partnership with social media, whether it's streaming, whether it's uh, you know, any kind of uh, a live event, you're always going to have that. And so always. I think that down the road, a lot of what we do is going to be that live streaming component. One thing that we've dipped our toes into and we're dipping our toes in it more and more is esports and uh, how companies can use esports to promote their brands. And a big, um, and, and we're still trying to figure out how this is going to work. In fact, the state of Ohio is still trying to figure out how it's going to work. <laughs> what does gambling mean? What does gambling mean for esports? What does gambling mean for athletics in general? You know, what is that going to mean? It hasn't passed yet in Ohio. It will very soon. Um, you know, already in Indiana, you, you cross the line in Indiana and all of a sudden you are just inundated with, with mm-hmm. um, billboards and you're inundated with ads on the radio. Uh, yeah, to the Lawrenceburg you know, Casino. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, you know, uh, gaming, both in esports and gambling, is going to be a big component of what we look at to see how our clients can benefit from that. Oh, I find that Technology so is always going to be a big part of yeah. what we do. And I think as we move forward in the next few years, technology is just going to be so much more of what we do. But there's always going to be the event. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be the news release. I tell my students, I said, I don't care what you put on social media. The foundation of every public relations drive, every public relations plan you put together, the foundation is going to be a news release. And then you go from there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that will always be a part, but the technology part is just going to blow up. And who knows what social is going to look like in five years? I don't who even knows? want to think about it. You <laughs> I don't know what's coming next. Yeah. And you have to look at, um, you know, what regulations are going to come down. Exactly. Um, you know, with, with the whistleblower and uh, Congress talking about you know, more regulations, what is that going to look like as well? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, in the next three or five years, uh, it's going to be interesting how we use social media and how we can use social media. See Cincinnati businesses bloom at the 21st annual Torch Awards for Ethics. Better Business Bureau will recognize businesses and nonprofits that uphold ethics and integrity with Torch Awards, support budding startups and young entrepreneurs with Spark Awards, and celebrate our students of integrity scholars. Join us virtually on October 21st at noon to empower marketplace role models who foster excellence. Head to our show notes to get your free ticket, courtesy of BBB Presents now. That's a, actually kind of a perfect transition into the next thing I wanted to talk about, because um, you talked about broadcasting and streaming, and you worked, you said ESPN for a long time, 
and even before then broadcast journalism. Um, so do you have any like favorite sports memories um, while being a reporter, while being at ESPN or working with any clients? Oh my. Um, I'm sure you have way too many to name. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first thing that I always talk about is a um, couple of things that I always talk about, uh, you know, uh, the Flying Pig Marathon is just one of these community treasures and it, it's, it's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't care it's if tradition. you run, yeah, I, I don't care if you run a marathon, a half marathon, if you do a relay, if you do a 10K, most everybody in this town has done some event of the Flying Pig because it's kind of the thing yeah, to do. I'm doing it. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just such a community treasure because it's a nonprofit and everything that they do goes back into the community. There are 300 plus charities who raise money through the Flying Pig. But just working the finish line, um, I always say that for every finisher, if there are 40,000 participants, there are 40,000 stories of people who cross. They do it for themselves. They do it for somebody else. They do it to lose weight. They do it for self-esteem. They do it for somebody. Uh, so many charities, they run for you know a, a hero partner. Um, there are so many stories and uh, we always laugh that, you know, the, the elites will finish in two and a half, three hours, three thirty, at the most, you know, most of the regular people will finish in the four hour, five hour, six hour time frame, And these people are just as happy to finish as the person who wins. And they're tired, they're, they're elated, they're happy, they're hurting. And just to see them cross the finish line and the tears are flowing and you don't know these people and you're crying with them. You have no idea who they are, but you're you don't crying know their story, with them because but... you know what they had to go through. Mm-hmm. And it's such an accomplishment. I don't care if you do the 5K or if you do the marathon. People who finish the 5K for so many of them, it is just as big of an accomplishment. If they've never done 5K before and they cross that finish line, it's just as big of an accomplishment for them as it is for a marathon. So that's the, the one story that I always talk about. And the second story I always talk about is Lauren Hill. And Lauren Hill, uh, for those of you who may not remember, Lauren Hill was um, from Lawrenceburg High School. Uh, played basketball, uh, was going to play at Mount St. Joe, um, found out uh, before she got to Mount St. Joe that she had uh, DIPG, uh, inoperable brain tumor. And um, everybody knew what the end of this story was going to be. And Lauren could have stayed home, shut the door to her bedroom, felt sorry for herself. And instead she used that as a platform to raise money for DIPG uh, research. And she started the Layup for Lauren challenge, uh, similar to the Ice Bucket challenge, but people would pledge money and then do Layup for Lauren. And um, she was able to play Uh, not just one game in college, but she managed to play a handful of games in college. But her first uh, game, Hiram College was going to be the first game that Mount St. Joe had. Uh, They wanted to move it up to early November because they weren't sure how long Lauren was going to be around and how long she could play. 
So the NCAA usually doesn't move anything. They agreed to let Mount St. Joe and Hiram College move up their game to early in November. They were going to have it at uh, Mount St. Joe as a fundraiser. Of course, Mount St. Joe sold out like that. And so Xavier University said, we'll have it over here at CentOS Center then. We got 10,000 seats. All right. So they moved it to CentOS Center, sold out like that. Just like that. Yeah. Uh, it became a fundraiser. Um, we got to televise it. Uh, I got to work the sideline for that game. Uh, got to got to interview so many of the people who made that happen. Her, her high school coach, um, the athletic director from Hiram College who agreed to do this. Uh, you know, half of the Indiana fever came down uh, to support her. Pat Summit came up from Tennessee, one of her last public events. Pat Summit came up and gave her an award at the end of the game. It was just one of these moments that I will never forget. And of course, the, the, the two sides made an agreement that they would let Lauren do the first layup and score the first two points. And she did that. They stopped the game. And it was, it was just one of these moments that people were happy and sad and they were cheering and they were so excited. Uh, and, and, you know, even the, I remember even the referees, I saw the referees and they were applauding after that. Um, it was just so full of emotions. And I, and I always say, I'll never meet anyone, anyone else like Lauren Hill again, because to be 18 years old and to know where this was going, but to use the time that she had on this earth to make such a difference. And they still have the layup for Lauren challenge on mile 22 of the flying pig marathon because her number was 22. And so they still have the layup for Lauren. They still are raising money for DIPG research. And, and, you know, it just, it, it just blows my mind that the foresight that she had and, you know, that's, that's good parenting to know that she could use this platform for good and they're still raising money. And so, you know, th those are two sports stories that I think will, will stick with me all of my life. Mm -hmm. For forever, regardless of what sports event you cover. Right. Those are two very memorable ones. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, especially in the tri-state. That just comes to show we value tradition. We value community aspects and we, we come together and we make something yeah. happen. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And, and it was just, you know, it was just one of these things that, that, um, you know, that, that was Andy Dalton, the Bengals did layup for Lauren. Uh, you know, the, the schools, the high schools did layup for Lauren. You know, the NBA did layup for Lauren. Uh, and, you know, as I say, the NCAA doesn't move rules for anybody. Mm -hmm. and, to, and to have them waive the rules so that these two schools could play early. So she would be assured of at least one. One game. game. Yeah. In her college career. On a positive note. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Wow. Well, what a lovely story. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and to transition um, a little bit to talk about you, you're still obviously going strong in your career. Um, you've had so many different experiences as a broadcast journalist, reporter, now president, <laughs> owner of game day. Um, what advice do you have to your younger self? Oh, I think that, and it's advice for any of us. Um, I think that 
you know, especially when you're just starting out, whether you're starting out in high school or starting out in college or starting out in your business, you are so consumed by what every, everything else going around you and what everybody else is thinking about what you're doing and who you are. And, and, you know, I would tell my younger self, don't worry about what other people think. And that's good advice today, you know, not just 20 years ago, but that's good advice today. The older I have gotten, the less I worry about what people think. <laughs> and, and going back to what we talked about in social media, social media does wonderful things. It keeps me in touch with my high school friends, my college friends. It reminds me of birthdays that, you know, I don't always keep up with birthdays, but thank you, Facebook, for telling me. Thank you, me Facebook. That is yes. okay. Um, but the one thing about social media that, that young people just get so wrapped up in these perfect lives that people post, and they don't realize that those lives aren't that perfect. They don't realize that that perfect skin is because somebody has a filter on their camera. They don't realize that what we post, any of us, isn't real. It's mm -hmm. not real. It's all fake. Yeah. And Everything sometimes, especially kids, get so wrapped up in, you know, well, I want to have that life or I want to be that perfect or I want my skin to be that perfect or I want to be that skinny. You can't do that. Because what you see out there, you know, when, when we were growing up, it was the models in the magazines and we had to remind ourselves they've been airbrushed. They're not that perfect. Mm -hmm. And they're this um, tiny too. Right. Exactly. Right, but that's just their body type. You have to remember <laughs> those little things. And I think that you have to, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to, all of us have to remember that that's not real. And so, you know, it, I guess my advice to my younger self is, you know, don't, don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about, you know, what other people think that you want to do sports or you're interested in sports. Don't worry about it. You know, when I first got into sports, I just basically, when I was working for the South Bend Tribune and I was going to graduate school and I just walked across the hall of the South Bend Tribune sports department and sports departments are notoriously short staffed, even more so now. Mm -hmm. I just walked across there and I said, can I help you guys out? Is there anything I can do? And so they sent me out to cover high school basketball and high school football. And that's really how I got started um, on day-to-day -day covering sports. You know, I just volunteered to offer my time. Nobody in the sports department said to me, well, you're a girl. Nobody said that. They said, yeah, you know, they were just glad to have another body in there. They didn't care. Um, and, you know, because they welcomed me, because they let me cover sports, that's really how I got started. You know, nobody, nobody said, well, you're a girl. What do you know about football? Well, I know that, you know, here are the rules. And I know that, you know, when somebody has a good game and I know enough to interview people, and so they let me do it. And nobody, at least to my face, said, well, you're a girl. Why are you doing that? Um, so, you know, my advice to everybody, don't worry about what other people think. If it's your passion, do it. And, you know, I, growing up, I didn't see a whole lot of women doing sports. 
And I always say that when I saw Phyllis George doing interviews on the NFL today, that was the first time that I saw somebody put together my two passions, journalism and sports. And I saw how she could put it together. And I go, oh, hey, okay, I can interview people. I can do that. And so that was really the first thing that clicked in my head that, okay, here's somebody who has taken two things that I really love and made them a career. And so that's when I thought, okay, I could do this. And so that was really the start because, you know, the, the old saying, if you can see it, you can be it. And so I saw somebody doing that and I thought, okay, you know, there, there is a way that I can put these two things together. And so I did it when I was out of college and, and one of my first jobs was uh, at channel nine here. And I did the same thing. I, I walked across the hall to uh, channel nine's um, sports department. And I said, do you need help? And, you know, they, they let me help. And so um, I would just say, you know, don't worry about what other people think about what you're doing. Uh, if it's what you're passionate about, go ahead and do it. And, and, you know, tune out all the, all the chatter. As I always say, don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> that if I could tattoo that on my body, I would. That is such a great piece of advice. Oh, I can't recommend that enough. Don't read the comments. <laughs> Don't do it. No. <laughs> Betsy, it's been an absolute pleasure learning about game day, learning about your story, how you're becoming, how you have been a trailblazer for so many people in the tri-state in the sports industry and with game day. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I always um, love to, to spread the word about, you know, just being able to go out and kind of do your own thing. And, and mm -hmm. my running joke always is if I knew I was going to start a business, I would have taken a business course somewhere along the line. I didn't. Uh, thank you. No this partner did. Uh, <laughs> but I always say I learned something new every day in, in, in just having your own business. You learn about uh, your clients, you learn about, uh, you know, your colleagues, you learn about so much and it's, it's just eye opening, and it's an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. And we're just so thankful. We've been very blessed and mm -hmm. we're just so thankful that we're in our 20th year and, you know, we hope that we'll be around for 20 more. Yeah. Congratulations again on your 20th anniversary. That's incredible. Thank you. I'm Sarah Kummer with your local Better Business Bureau, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.